America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. Drugs in Mexico ain't illegal no more. True. A dirty war's erupted, sanctioned by the Philippines' new president. His orders for his people and his police. Kill them. That's what's up, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Attic Podcast. It's your boy, Tim, and your boy, Dave. Yo. Here to give you the latest, the greatest, the freshest, the best information and news on the very unsuccessful, well, depends how you look at it, but the fucked up drug war. If you want to keep a bunch of people employed to arrest and imprison abusers of illegal drugs, then you're successful. You succeeded, bitches. Damn. You put everybody in prison for a long, long time. One guy, eight years for a joint. Fuck. It's been absolutely nuts. So make sure you check us out. On your favorite medium, iTunes, Stitchers, Google, Google Plus. No Google Plus. Google Play. Google Play. Um, iHeart. iHeart Radio just got on iHeart. That's exciting. And then uh, Buzzsprout, whatever. We're on, Anywhere, man. We're everything. We're on everything. Everywhere. All, all kinds. Too many to name. But just check us out. Make sure you give us a good rating. And also make sure... You guys go check out our friends over at MarijuanaDeliveryService.com for all your needs. And then also check out Matt Fraser's website, DrugTruthAustralia.org. He's got a lot of great information on there for you folks. And continue to spread the word and, and you know promote this anti-drug war stance that we take on the show. Today we have a guest uh, with us. His name is Brian Watson. He has a podcast, I Have So Many Questions podcast how you doing today brian doing very well thank you very much you you're welcome man we're welcome to the show what's where uh, can you tell us about your podcast how you got started up and where you're at um podcast is i'm i'm in indianapolis indiana and the podcast was just kind of one of those things that just kind of developed organically i got a bad habit of ranting about stuff and my wife got really tired of hearing about it and so she's like, well, you know, why don't you just write this down um, like a blog or something? And I'm like, a blog? I, I can't do a blog because by the time I find the time to write it down, the urge is passed and whatever. So then um, I'm a big podcast addict. I've been that way for a, probably a decade now and um, did a little bit of research and the uh, the the ability for anybody to do a podcast these days is just inexpensively at that. I just like, Oh, I'll just try this and see what happens. And then, uh, just 14 months ago, started the show, decided I would start it out just with myself. And it's always just been me, uh, writing. If you call it that recording, editing and so forth. And 14 months later, still here, still putting out content just on whatever, question or idea or multiple ideas that just pops into my head from time to time. So you're just basically picking your subject and whatever you, whatever you want to rant about that day or, or whatever. And then you're just kind of getting on there recording it and knocking it out of the park. 
Does, yeah, it, get, whether, does it get out of your system after you're done with that? <laughs> sometimes yes, sometimes no. Um, it depends on the subject. Sometimes it's just something that I'll record 15 minutes of audio on, and it's just a really the idea of the show was just to explore questions, not really to answer anything, but just explore an idea that comes from a question um, and just let it free flow from there. So sometimes it'll be 15 minutes. Sometimes it'll be three hours. It just depends on um, how how I just keep going and if I just run out of steam or whatever and how much of it I can edit out to make it coherent. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. That's a great concept because we have a lot of questions. Dave and I always ask questions about um, our subject, our subject matter about the war on drugs and drugs in society in general, how they're used, how they're sold, bought, um, punished, everything. You know, it's just a, it's a huge part of human history to have a mind altering substance to aid you in things you're doing or a medicine to help you when you're sick. But now in, in this time in history, I think they're going to look back at this time, maybe hundreds of years from now, maybe not too long from now and say, man, that was some stupid shit they were doing as far as, you know, killing and, and imprisoning each other for things that you, you really ultimately cannot control. And I think your dog wants to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm in, I'm, I'm talking to you guys from my backyard. And it's actually my neighbor's dog. Oh, <laughs> she's, uh, she's wanting to get back into her house and evidently they're not listening. So, Sorry, I'm sorry about that. That's all right, man. We we had that issue once before yeah, too. So yeah, we have. I have two small dogs, and they uh they like to jailbreak the basement door on us and uh, cause havoc while we're recording. So it's uh it's a welcome. We don't. We're, it's no big deal for us. That's for sure. No. So um, with that being said, you think we're ready to go on to our first show? Yeah, uh, let's do it. Uh, let's do it. First story. We're gonna go to Vice dot com for this story and we're talking about how uh right here oregon has way too much legal weed um this and, and where is it going where is the when you have too much oregon has a weed problem it, it's a big problem and some people speculate they have enough pot in the state to last for six and a half years um, part of the story with the abundance has to do with geography. Um, is it, it's Humboldt County and that famed green, uh, triangle region where people grow, like been growing weed since the seventies. Um, they have, you know, ideal outdoor conditions, but after legalizing, uh, they, they featured some of the lowest barriers uh, of any to enter the legal weed state. So the situation led to, so much capital flooding in and overproduction that now um, they just have too much of it. And there's probably a ton of it getting exported illegally out of there. You got to figure. Can you have too much? I don't think you can, honestly, because there's somewhere where somebody wants it. Right. You can make a lot of things out of it. You can. You can make more than just, you know, flour. They can make some different things out of it. They don't just have to. Sit on, but six and so how much do you think six and a half years of cannabis is for a whole state? Depends if you're at uh, Mike Tyson's ranch. Or not. 
Uh, that's true. If you're smoking 10 tons a month, then Mike Tyson, there you go, Mike. Uh, that's a free, some free advice for you. Get some Oregon's weed. I'm sure he grows his own awesome pot. So, Oh, I'm, I'm willing to bet Mike Tyson's got a, a, uh, premium high profile or high quality, uh, distribution system coming into him. If he's blowing $40,000, what was it? 40 grand a month. Yeah, that's what he said. On, his, they, on this habit? That's what they smoke, yeah, on his podcast. I believe he was referring to what they smoke. What his he ranch. and his No, his ranch smokes 10 tons. Oh. He smokes $40,000 worth, Man. which we broke down, which is like five ounces a day. Even on well, high-end marijuana, that's a lot of fuck. That's a lot. Well, you know, given Mike Tyson's history, if he wants to, you know, if 40000 you know, $40,000 worth of marijuana a month keeps him out of trouble. I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, that's a good point. You haven't heard any, you know, any, anything bad. He's actually seems like to be a, a, a good family man and stuff like that. And trying to reconnect. I listened to him on uh, the Rogan podcast or no, actually it was uh Joey Diaz. And he was talking about how he went, you know, now that he's older, he's a little more calmed down. Exactly that point. He's trying to reconnect with some of his family and friends that maybe, you know, when he was going through his crazy shit, that he lost connections with. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's done a lot of okay. self-evaluation with that 40K. Um, but right now they're saying if you go to a dispensary in Portland, the prices won't be as low as you think, even though they're overflowing. You're still, I mean, it's possible to find weed for $60 an ounce, but Quality Bud is currently around 120 to 200 In fact, when asked about the reported oversupply, um the general manager at urban pharmacy in Portland smirked. Good luck finding it. So they're saying, so some people are saying there's oversupply. I guess some people are saying there isn't, but while prices in the recreational market are lower than they were a few years ago in the past few months, prices for wholesale flour, the buds that most people think of as weed has actually been going up. Industry and the insider said it's getting tougher for Satterfield to, Fine flour at low wholesale price, she noted, and the vice heard similar stories from other dispensaries and other players throughout the state. So what you got here is you got, you know, supply and demand thing going on. You have dispensaries that are that are bringing in wholesale bud. They're selling it as cheap as they can to get it out the door. And that's those prices are not those prices are are very low for dispensary prices because you got to remember in that price is the taxes that go to the state and the extra fees and licensing and stuff that dispensaries and grows have to do. Not to mention the strict, you know, medical uh, testing that the scientific testing they do on the flower to make sure there's no heavy metals and dangerous shit. They weren't, you know, growing it with Flint water or something. Right. So I don't know, man, Michigan prices. I can't relate because we're still, we're still pretty good on that. And uh, oh, six okay. six and a half years of, of, of marijuana, I don't even know how you could estimate that unless you know the exact usage and how much you got. But right here, nobody know, seems to know how much. The, as you go through the article, there's nobody that says there's a vault with 10,000 tons of cannabis in it. With a mouse. With a mouse. <laughs> yeah, they just don't want it. They want to make sure they're storing it safely. That's for sure. Um, I know Oregon is big into the hemp business as well. And it's only because that's, they legalized it first. They got great growing conditions out there. Um, 
but all in all, they probably have a, a less population than like California or uh, Nevada. I don't know. What's a, what's the population out there in Oregon? Do you know? You know how many people like even live out there? What do they have besides mountains? Mountains and Yeah, outside of Portland itself, I don't know. You don't hear anything about Oregon at all. No, 4.1 million. 4.1 million. So, yeah, that makes sense because we've got about 7 million, 8 million. Yeah, we're about, Indiana's about, I think, uh, six, somewhere between six and seven. So, I love the picture on this article. They got a kit. They got what looks like somebody in a snow coat or whatever, like swimming in weed, like they're doing a snow angel in weed and marijuana. They got so much marijuana, they're doing snow angels in it. They just. I still don't see how you can have too many, too much, too much of anything. Maybe they're just making uh, excuses to lower the taxes on it to make it move faster or something. Who knows? Well, the other thing you got to think about with the dispensaries is they're just like any other business. They, you know, there's the regulations, there's the taxes, but there's also the overhead. There's the people you got to pay to run the dispensaries. There's the, the, the shop rent. If you have any, um, there's, then there's the property taxes on the, on the business that you've got to pay or that gets factored into the rent with your landlord. There's all kinds of overhead that you've got to account for on top of all of the, the, the regulations and the, and the very industry specific taxes that you've got to right, take right. care of. So really you think cannabis is probably, if they're saying that an ounce can go as low as $60 an ounce, but a quality bud, like top shelf bud is 120 to 200. Then you mean like wholesale. Yeah. The growers are probably, if you invested in growing in Oregon, man, you probably fucking, you're not doing great. No. Cause then right there's now- the question. Then there's the question of how is Oregon's economy doing overall? Because the only ways you're going to make money is, is, is the local population, the people that live in the state or the tourists that come in but the problem with the tourists is that you're competing with Colorado. California's starting to get into the game, um, although they're not doing a very good job of implementing that whole thing. They're kind of jacking it up a little bit from the last I've read. So you've got uh, these other tourist destinations that are more interesting than Oregon would be. I mean, if Colorado, you can go there and ski. Um, you can you know, inhale that wonderful thin air. Um, you can do all kinds of things in Colorado. California is California, although I don't think you're going to California to to for recreational marijuana because of the way that California is running that whole thing. We're, but it's still there. It's we, an option. We want to go to Tyson's Ranch, though. That's where we want to go. <laughs> and go glamping. Hell, yeah. We want to go glamping in Tyson's Ranch. What Good. is that, four grand a night or something? I don't know, but it's worth it. I would go there rather than Oregon any day. So then that means you've got the local population that's going to be your purchasers. And then the question is, how much can they afford? Um, how, how good is Oregon's economy going for those 4.1 million people? Um, if, bus- if they're not making any money, they're not buying anything. Right. So, you, so you've, got a, you've, got a, you've got product to move. And the question is, do you have avenues 
um, safe legal avenues that don't get you in trouble with people you don't want to get in trouble with, um, you ha- are they there to take that supply? That might have something to do with why they've got six and a half years worth of inventory. I got to do this. Smuggle it back to Mexico. Hell yeah. We should start sending that shit back down there they would, now. They would never even think about Fuck that. No, man. they still got that dirt ass weed. They'll love it. They'll be like, oh my God, senor, senor. <laughs> I know. I'm bad. So anyway, um, that's not a bad idea because Mexico, that's going to be one of our st- stories here as well. You'll see that Mexico's very liberal on drugs right now. And uh, I think we're done with that one. Let's go on to the USA Today. That is a credible source. USA Today, where officials seized $2.3 million worth of marijuana mixed with jalapeno peppers. So first we had watermelons. Then we had frozen strawberries. Then we had bananas. Then we had, what else have we had so far? Blueberries. Candles. Fucking everything. Animals. Animals inside of animals. Every fruit, every fruit, every vegetable has been exploited in the drug war already. I don't understand it. I don't either, man. I don't understand it. I don't understand why you don't think they, they're going to check in every fucking bale of cabbage that you got for, from here on out. But anyways, so do you think that affects the weed? All that jalapeno juice all over that, all over them bags and shit? Hell yeah, get heartburn after this after you smoke and shit. Ooh, oh, oh man! Then you got to invest in Zantac or <laughs> or oh dear God, heaven rid of Imodium or Pepto Bismol or something like that. Just think, you man. Your, you go to your doctor for a prescription antacid, and he wants to know why, and it's like, I don't know, this, something happened with the weed I was smoking and jalapeno weed. Yeah. Jalapeno weed from that. So officials say they seized the $2.3 million worth of marijuana. So this is, you got to picture the scale of this because they're only saying it's about $300 a pound, uh, wholesale with it being Mexican, you know, kind of brick weed with what we got nowadays. Um, $2.3 million worth of marijuana, uh, customs border protection canine unit. So that dog sniffed through a bunch of fucking jalapeno peppers to smell some marijuana. I guess he's so. a bad motherfucker, dude. If you look at the container, it was like it was like a container full of jalapeno peppers, and it's got these huge bales of marijuana, um, right right inside of them. And this dog uh, picked it up. Apparently, uh, half this- the time I wonder when they when you see those big uh, those big scores like that with law enforcement. Oh, we caught this, you know, millions and millions of pounds or dollars worth of a product. And I'm kind of like, you know, I'm half the time. I wonder if that's a diversion. You're, you're paying attention to stuff to the right, but you completely missing all the stuff that we're really getting across from the left. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Because if you were, you know, okay, great. You're, you're, it's a jalapeno truck. Let's say it's a jalapeno truck you're catching at the border that's coming over from Mexico. Okay, can you be more cliche? <laughs> okay, and and then and then you okay, great, you've caught it, you've busted it, great, two million dollars worth of of marijuana you caught, fine. 
completely missing the probably billions of dollars of marijuana that's coming in through shipping containers uh, overseas. Um, because really all you'd have to do is put it on a boat, send it from someplace in Mexico where they're not tracking you and, you know, wait a week and then pull it into port and you could probably get away with it because that was the big, you remember after nine 11 and during the war on terror and all that kind of stuff, the big scare was somebody getting a nuclear weapon or a dirty bomb in a shipping container through one of our ports. And we have absolutely no capability of detecting it because you can't inspect that much shipping. Right. And, and that's, as far as I understand, that's never gotten better. The technology's gotten better. So you can, and they've gotten better at kind of targeting what ships to inspect, but you know, they're not looking for, what do you think the odds are? They're looking for drugs in those shipping containers as opposed to nuclear weapons, chemical weapons, biological weapons, other things that are far more dangerous. I think, I think you got a good point, but I think they got their finger on it pretty good. I don't think they really, I don't think their intention is to really shut down the drug war on the scale that they're, they're serious about because it's a worldwide thing. It's a United nations type thing. Shut it down. You lose your job. man. and, And they know right where it's being manufactured. They actually, if you go and look at the PDF of the United nations drug report from 2018, they actually show you what countries the drugs are coming from to what countries. And they, they give you shipping routes. They tell you how they're doing it. They, they know a, a lot about it. And I'm not saying that, um, I'm not saying it's a, it's that it, it's a conspiracy to some, to some extent, because Dave does have a point. You don't want to cut your own throat in this thing. You got, this is how the whole drug war started with Harry Anslinger prohibition ended and he was in charge of that and he had nothing else. He had to go towards the other, he had to go towards marijuana and cocaine and heroin and everything else. So all in all, you know, this thing is created out of a need to have, basically a basis for a huge underground uh, a huge uh piece of the pie going to an economy but the uh, you'd be surprised how many people that are rich and legitimate they're involved in these big drug deals they they have big legitimate million dollar companies but this is how they make their tax-free money on the side they can and when you have a lot access to a large amount of cash you can make these kind of deals and make it make it go through uh, pretty easily. But we, that was a good point you made. Cause we talk about that all the time. We talk about, this was the little shipment. The big one came right behind it. Or sometimes they'll do it with illegal aliens. They'll put some illegal aliens on a boat and have them like they're coming into the country. And why that coast guard is taking the illegal aliens in, they're coming by with the, with the ships that have all the cocaine on it. So you're never going to stop the massive amounts of cocaine that come in this country unless you go literally unless you go and take over Bolivia, Colombia, and Peru. That's the only way you'll ever stop it. And if you do that, other countries will step up. I mean, there's no way to ever stop it. No, but you still, but people will still have the demand. They'll, they'll still want to get high, right? You're not going to stop that. Um, that's I mean, just, just, you're just never going to fucking do it. People want to get high, so so the fuck what? If people can't buy it, they're going to start making the shit at home like meth. I mean, yeah. they're going to start making the, the shit at home with fucking bee killer and, you know. Bowling ball well, chemicals. You, yeah. Well, well how, easy is it, how easy is it now today to make your own beer? I mean, craft beer. Shit. 
kits and all that kind of stuff. How long before you've got craft mech kits? Yeah. Or, or, you know, I'm sure. I've seen one on Amazon, dog. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it at all. You could probably make all any, any drug you want to make. Um, there's probably a kit or an instruction manual or something about how you can do it in your Google. house. Oh yeah. And if you, and if it's not on Google, I mean, there's probably all kinds of things on the dark web. If you're, yep. it depends on how motivated you are, I suppose. The thing that always, um, in regards to, you know, the government's complicity is it look at Afghanistan, the United States, when the Taliban controlled Afghanistan pre nine 11, there was, the price of heroin, if my memory serves, the price of heroin was super duper high. Why? Because you, nobody can make poppies anywhere. Why? Because the best place to make poppies was in Afghanistan. When the Taliban had control of it, you know, because they're religious Islamic fundamentalists, they banned the production of poppy seeds, of poppies. So price of heroin goes up. The U.S. kicks the Taliban out. You can't grow anything else in Afghanistan. You're trying to rebuild this country. They can produce nothing else agriculturally. That's the only thing they can produce. And it's, you know, it's been a country that's been destroyed by three decades of war off and on, you know, between the Soviets and the Taliban and now us. So what do we do? We let them start growing poppies. What happens at the same time that they're growing poppies? The price of heroin goes way down because it's a lot easier to make it. And at the same time, you've got an opioid epidemic that occurs at the same time. You got to mention uh, hashish and, um, you know, they should grow pot over there since they do so good on heroin. It would grow great over there. It would grow fucking phenomenal. They could do some sativas, some indica. They could do some indicas over there in their high mountain climate. Yeah, we hey. agree with you 100%. And the fact we, we actually had a story about how much we covered a story early um, remember with the f-15s and shit yeah they were the show. f-15s that drove over and uh uh flew over drove over mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they, like 23 million dollars every time they shot it man yeah they dropped bombs on the opi yeah. uh on the opium on the opium hey, you know if a bunch of a bunch of violent religious extremists want to you know mellow out by getting high i'm perfectly cool with that <laughs> you know we're solving a bunch of problems simultaneously if we, we start doing that yeah no doubt about it man i think everybody needs to i think all the politicians really need to quit eat, eat about eight the shrooms and be locked in a room for a day and just oh. and just think about themselves and everything let, they're uh, doing I haven't been paying attention to this um, lately, but let me ask you guys, because you would know. A while back, um, Denver was, I think it was Denver, they were toying with the idea of legalizing uh, magic mushrooms. Yes. Did they do it? Yes, they did. Back in May. They did? Yes. Was it, was it just Denver or all of Colorado? It was just Denver, and all they did was they decriminalized uh, psilocybin. So you're able to possess and use it. Um, you still There's still no way to really sell it or cultivate it legally. And then uh, not only since then, the city of Oakland, California did it too. So now you got two cities and then you have all these, uh, I guess you'd call them like psilocybin clubs in all these states. We have one here in Michigan and it's derived from up in, uh, I think it's Northern Michigan University or Michigan Tech, Northern Michigan Tech. Um, they have, um, a botanist up there or somebody who's studying it. That's, that's heading up a, a big initiative along with the Ann Arbor. There's an Ann Arbor movement too. So I can see Michigan having it on the ballot in the next two to three years. Cause right now sure. 
they're canvassing hard, just educating. That's all they're doing. They're saying, Hey, this treats PS, uh, PTSD, this, uh, yeah. So sounds, sounds like your neighbor, your neighbors, uh, are having a party now or something. Oh, those neighbor kids. Yeah. They're running around screaming like crazy. So, um, give them some shrooms, man. Yeah, no doubt, man. <laughs> give them something to relax that ass. So we, um, where were we at? What were we talking about? Psilocybin in Michigan. Yeah. In two to three years, I think right now, Dave made a good point. The, all they're doing is educating and they're not making a case for it. They're not really going out there saying, you know, do this or else, or this is dumb to do it. They're not judging anything. They're just saying, Hey, this is what we're finding. This is what we're doing. These are the facts. And, um, and people are receptive to it. There was some scientific research that came out. I want to say in the last 12 months or so that said, if my memory serves that magic mushrooms were the safest, uh, there were no side effects. There were no adverse consequences, there were, whether short-term or long-term. Um, it was the safest without any um, repercussions of any, of any drug, illegal drug right. that was out there. Yeah, it's true. I'm actually, I took two capsules today at uh, 0.6 grams. So I, I might, I, well, I used to microdose every day, dude, 0.3 grams just for the cognitive activity and stuff like that. Um, and the, and the antidepressant values of, I mean, it has a very, it has a very, um, unique way of putting you in a good mood, you know, no matter how you're feeling. And I can remember, I can remember talking to my, my parents a couple of months ago, we went on our way to a graduation party and this is kind of, my parents were, um, teenagers in the mid seventies. They were too young to be hippies with the flower power and all that kind of stuff, but they were old enough for the sex, drugs and rock and roll of the, of the mid seventies. There you go. (laughs) So, um, they were very uh, liberal on, um, on drugs. I can remember when I was a little kid, you know, they would recreationally smoke marijuana. Um, and then, then I think they kind of, as the eighties progressed in the, you know, the Reagan era, they kind of stopped doing that. Smart I think move. It might have, that was a smart move. And I think it might have something to do with that. You know, there was starting to be the random drug testing with employers and all this kind of stuff. And, um, my dad to this day, he's in his early sixties. Um, he cannot, he wants to, but he can't, he cannot use marijuana because not that his employer does random drug testing, but their biggest customer um, requires all of their vendors and contractors to be randomly drug tested, regardless of what position they hold in the company. Wow! So you could you could be the president of the company or a vice president of the company, like he is, and he's subject to random drug testing. And because this uh, this customer is so large and does so much business with them, they bow comply. down to him. Yeah, yeah, they comply. Right. So, and you know what, you know what the fucked up part of that is though, that Mm -hmm. you could drink, you drink yourself to death, smoke a million cigarettes, drink two pots of coffee a day, give yourself a fucking hypertension, hernia, fucking black lung, everything you could think of do that, but smoke a little pot and you're not good. (laughs) (laughs) You're not good enough to be our customer or or our supplier. You know what I mean? Like Jesus. I told him about the magic mushrooms thing. We were on our way to a graduation party and I'm driving and I'm, we're, you know, for for whatever reason we got on the topic of recreational drug use, which they're big fans of. Um, and 
uh, I told him about the magic mushrooms thing and how it might be legalized in Denver and just to see his eyes perk up a little bit. Yeah. He's like, he's like, Oh really? Yeah. We're, we're taking a trip to Denver. We're moving to Denver. <laughs> he's uh he's been contemplating retirement i'm like what would i'm like you you're not going to retire because you don't know what to do with yourself you're not going to know what to do and he's like oh i know he's like no i know two things that i'm going to do as soon as i retire and he goes and one of them is going to be smoking a joint (laughs) (laughs) ah good for him that's awesome yeah Yeah. so it's i and that's kind of how because of them um and they're liberal views on that um recreational drug use anyway they weren't addicts or anything like that they they enjoyed pot um i remember one time when i was in my early 20s i'd seen uh the film version of fear and loathing in las vegas the hunter thompson book that yeah. got turned into a movie with johnny depp and del toro i think everybody's um, seen that on acid. <laughs> I, I love that movie i love thompson i love that movie and talk, you know, they talk a lot about mescaline in that movie, which I had never heard of before. Right. So I went to my mom and I'm like, I, I was in my early twenties when the movie came out and I'm like, do you, I'm like, have you ever heard of mescaline? She goes, Oh yes. Oh yes. I know <laughs> oh, all yes. about mescaline. And I proceeded to get a 10 minute, I proceeded to get a 10 minute academic dissertation from her <laughs> about the wonders and joys of mescaline. And it just kind of floored me. Here's a fun story. I had a, me and my friend took it one time. He was working at a restaurant, locked himself in the freezer. They fired his ass, man. Oh, <laughs> shit. That's the that one seems, only time we ever used it. That <laughs> seems kind of harsh because how I know. many stories have you ever heard of of somebody just locking themselves in a freezer at a restaurant or in a store or something, and they were perfectly lucid and, and right. exactly and he had stuff, a good you know? reason but don't they have aren't they supposed to have safety shit like you're not supposed to be able to do that no he i mean he could he, he could get out if he wanted to but, but I, don't, he, I don't think he knew how <laughs> i mean I, I think he was just probably enjoying it so much that he was okay. just like fuck it he was okay, probably reading point. through the whole inventory <laughs> he's like oh man this beef damn this lettuce has water in it, i know man, man. Check out those tomatoes. And you said this beef. I know this beef. First thing you thought of, man. It's frozen. Oh, fuck. Okay, I'm a carnivore. What can you say, dog? I know what you can say. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the final story of our episode. Um, we're talking about cocaine, Dave's favorite mm-hmm, subject. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. after we discuss this story, I think Dave's going to get a passport or move i think he's gonna make a move this is on cnn mexican court says cocaine use is legal for two people for two people and a landmark ruling in a court in mexico city has said two people should be allowed to use cocaine legally the ruling means that the unnamed pair i want to know who the fuck these people are first of all i'm sure everybody in mexico how wants dare to you too. how dare you cnn stealing anybody else's catchphrase i'm gonna say it like this fuck you cnn you guys are bitches small amounts of cocaine according to the mexico united against crime and ngo that filed legal papers in the court in the case as part of its strategy to change the country's drug policy this is the first time cocaine use has been made legal in mexico but the ruling still needs to be ratified by the higher court 
It comes in a time when Mexico is grappling with the drug policy under President Andreas Manuel Lopez Obrador. You know, we went through this again. This guy has a fucking acronym for his name because he has such a long name. AMLO. 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 Yeah, they call him AMLO. And I agree with that because once you get past three names, you're just being a fucking asshole. Right. Honestly. Serial killers get three names. Exactly. Well, this guy has four. (laughs) So... I, I admire him for some reasons, but some reasons break it down to two names, dickhead. Nobody when they have to make that, you know, for your name, then you know it's too long. So his official development plan for the for the reform or a prohibitionist approach, he calls it. He said it was unstable due to the violence and the poor public health outcomes it generated. Bravo! You know what? This is the first president of a country that that gets it. He actually gets it. He, they quit funding the drug war. And I'm curious how that's going to affect our drug war, because now if he quit funding the drug war in Mexico, then stories like the the 7,500 pounds of marijuana and the and the jalapeno peppers is going to be like a Think daily thing. It. It's going to be a daily thing. Think man. about it. I could be one of the next two people in the U.S. You could. You should p- get a lawyer. Petition that shit, dude. I told you, man. You always say it's medical, and you can get it. You just say you need proof. ankle hurts, man. Exactly. I don't know if that'll do it, but. Oh, well. We'll see. The court ruling in Mexico's national health regulator, um, they authorized two people to legally possess, transport, and use cocaine. Holy shit. I know you can have a gram in Colombia, but this is just crazy. However, uh, I, I guess it's called Cofapris official told the AFP news agency that such an authorization is outside its remit and it has blocked the court order as a result. So it's actually blocked right now until it goes to the higher court. The order was delivered in May, but will now be reviewed in a tribunal according to the AFP in the statement uh, of the ruling. If it's enforced and upheld by the tribunal and underlines it does not legalize cocaine. So that's what they're saying. There's, it's not setting a precedent for everybody else, even if these, even if it's upheld and these two are allowed. So I wonder who these people fucking are. And I wonder why they get away with it. Lucky. They get to transport it. They get to have it. They get to use it. They probably got bounties on their head right now. Dude, I would be, I would, I'd be down in Mexico starting a YouTube channel, just <laughs> snorting coke every day. Fuck yeah. Fuck. Now, is it just these two specific people yes. or is it two people in general? No, it's two unnamed people, two people that. So I guess what happened is I guess these people must have went to court and pled, pled their case why they can use cocaine. Um, that's the only thing I'm kind of this is the first time we've covered this story. So we're actually learning this new. Usually some of these things like this, they're. They're old and they're just updating it, but this this is the first we've ever heard of this. Okay, but, I guess my follow up questions would be: Who is Mexico's biggest soccer player, and is he married? <laughs> or who's Mexico's biggest, um, besides the president? Who's Mexico's biggest or most popular politician or movie star, and are they married? Because that's probably <laughs> who this is protecting. <laughs> I'd probably go with the soccer player more uh, than the other two. Good point. Good point. That's a good point. I mean, is it? I mean, are we talking the Mexican equivalent of Susan Lucci? Because uh, soap operas are big in Mexico. Yeah. So is there like the the um, the equivalent of Susan Lucci in Mexico who can't perform unless she's on cocaine? 
Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's a famous, maybe it's two famous Mexican people. That would make total sense. That would also explain why they're not identified because, you know, you, you need to get high to perform, but you don't want, it's bad PR. Well, in the porn industry, in, in the porn industry, cocaine, if you get high, you won't, no, no. you won't perform. No, no cocaine. Only in, maybe, maybe it's in, uh, I, I agree with the soccer player. I think the soccer player would need it. I think a woman could still perform, though. I think it just makes women horny. Yeah. They should well, legalize any athlete, it. Any athlete that's high, I mean, heck, you heard about, you heard all the stories from, like, baseball in the 60s and 70s and early 80s where they had, like, the uppers. They had like the uppers and downers in the in a bowl in the middle of the of the uh, of the clubhouse or something like that, and you'd take whatever you needed to get through the you know like a double header or something like that. You heard those kinds of stories all the time. And then football players, before they got hooked on painkillers, they were getting hooked on whatever else whatever else they needed to get them through a game to keep them going. We say they legalize drugs for all sports, and you use whatever the fuck you want. That's what we say. That's what I say. Performance enhancing. That's it. We want to see performance. Right. We want to see athletes going above and beyond human potential here. I say let them use whatever. Then you don't have to worry about all these suspensions and all this bullshit and everything. But with that being said, I think we're going to get out of here and say goodbye. It's been it's been great having you on, Brian Watson. Yeah, thank you guys very much for taking the time to let me be on your show and you know, anytime, um, anytime you, you know, if things worked out well on this episode, if you'd like to have me on again, absolutely let me know. I'd love to do this again. I will. For this, sure. Uh, this, this touches, this, uh, touches all of my, uh, small L libertarian heartstrings. So there you go. Perfect. Hey, make uh, sure you check them out on. I have so many questions podcast, everybody. And also when you get a chance, check out marijuana delivery service for all your needs, for all your needs at any level. Anything. And drugtruthaustralia.org.